Okay, and it's Marvel season again, baby. I felt like we just talked about this last week. It's always Marvel season, and it's always Marvel season again. But you know what else season it is? It's football season, baby. And I can't wait to just talk to you about fantasy football for like 10 minutes. I am never going to let you talk about sports again on this podcast. Bro, you're forgetting last year when I talked about, I got a, gave us a IU football check-in every week. I'm, I'm, we're back. We're back to that. God. Which I didn't has, talk about uh, this week, which is a good thing, and we will not talk about it this week. <laughs> it has really almost been a year. We're coming full circle. Except we're like so far away from 52 episodes. What happened? <laughs> a, a lot. A lot. A lot went wrong. But yeah, we talk a lot about Shang-Chi, some, uh, some streaming news, some, and some sports stuff. I think there was something else, but you know, you'll listen and find out what it was. Yeah, or you won't. Enjoy. So Hayden, we're uh, we're on a timetable today. Yes, I'm crunched. <laughs> you had uh, Labor Day obligations with your family, and I guess you're doing a, a fantasy draft in like an hour. Yeah, baby, it's that time of year again. Fantasy football draft time. I'm excited. I don't know, like, I I know ten percent about football, right? Like, I know my team, and I know how the game is played, and that's about where it stops. I did engage in a fantasy football experience in college. And I kind of oh. I kind of crashed their situation cuz I drafted and then never did anything with it. That's yeah, that checks out. So I feel I feel kind of bad about that. Um that 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 is just to say um does fantasy football normally start like the same week as normal season? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was actually going to be my thing I wanted to ask you is what ha- if have you had and I didn't know you had, but what if any experience had you had with it and what did you think of it? Because I always like hearing people who know nothing about it being like, isn't that just like D and D for jocks? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, okay. So before I jump into that, let me just say real quick, uh, because of that timetable, I am currently eating my dinner while we're recording. Um, I know some people get a little squicked out about uh, eating on the mic. I don't. I don't understand it. Um, I'm going to try not to be an obnoxious chewer about it, but that's the, that's the reality of this recording. Um, but no, I, I do actually, I really like the idea of fantasy sports. I think it's very cool, and I think it is uh, an extra meta way to engage with the game on a level above being a casual fan. Because, <clears throat> like, honestly... I, I don't begrudge anybody for liking sports, even though it's not particularly my thing. I do. I get it. I understand it. I know why people get excited about it, and I'm happy that people do. That being said, the image of, like, my dad, but not, not my dad in particular, but just, like, the collective my dad, you know, yeah. in the living room, <laughs> screaming at the TV for three hours, um, is pretty fucking cringe. No, I've done, I've been doing that for years. Shut up. <laughs> but I mean, just like at, you know, if you're the one guy and you're in the family room and like mom's in the kitchen, I'm on the other side of the wall from the living room. And just like once a week, I have to listen to my dad scream, actually scream at nobody in particular. I'm, I'm fucking tired of it. Oh, now, if you're okay. if you're in a group setting and you're like into it, then that's fine. As long as you're like you're writing a vibe. But if you're just alone and and not even like you know if, if you're alone by yourself still that's fine get excited be fun with it but 
But like if you're but projecting like excitement anger? to other people or anger, yeah. Okay, because I'm like, uh, you're in for a rude awakening next week when I'm <laughs> just like screaming at the TV. But mine's just always like, God damn it! Oh, they, oh, oh, come on! And or like, yeah, it's never like. That was a lot of really weird sound effects. Um, but that's my experience playing, watching Red Zone and watching football for my fantasy teams. Um, I will say, as much as I enjoy playing fantasy football, um, one of the worst experiences you can do, at least in my opinion, is you have your teams, but all you do is meticulously watch every game and every single time you're watching one of your players being like, give it to him, give it to him, give it to him. I mean, I've done that before, and I've gotten to the point where it's like, it, it actually does suck some of the fun of just watching the game out. If all you're doing is being preoccupied with hoping that your team's doing well, because guess what? It doesn't affect your overall score. Um, It just makes it a lot more stressful and not fun to just watch the game. So I see. But uh, I could definitely see, yeah, where... If you're in an environment where someone's just like obnoxiously just like not reading the room, getting overly uh, emotional, let's say, uh, yeah, that's not the greatest. Someone who's been that person before, usually it's just by myself, but you know, been that person, yeah, it's not great. And also, like, I don't know, the the level that some people take it is like when when the game is over, or especially when the season is over, it's like, was it was it really worth it? Was it worth all that? Are you okay? <laughs> hey, some people are in some really high stakes leagues, <laughs> like where it's like hundreds of dollars to buy in, and I'm like, oh my god, like uh, I have a twenty dollar league, so yeah, if I lose, I don't care. <laughs> but no, as somebody that like prefers um, in board games, for instance, I would rather play um, like a, a Euro type game with tons of rules. That takes half an hour to teach somebody, but and, and it's like a real cerebral experience with a lot of strategy, as opposed to something like the game of life. Um, <laughs> I I love the idea of fantasy football, um, and for someone like you that watches a lot of sports and keeps up with more than just the home team, I'm glad that there is an avenue to express that interest in a way that is more engaged than just watching other people perform and thinking that represents you. I, I I always go back to uh, something that Hassan has said on stream about just sports fans in general and how he just refers to them as sports weebs. And it's kind of the most accurate description of sports fans ever <laughs> because it is, it is almost the exact same kind of reactions that people have to, like, you know, people who are, like, super into anime and Japan culture, the actual weebs, the, you know, how excited or emotional they can get about certain things is on par with what some crazy sports fans do. Like, I've just always been, I've always had sports in my life and have always watched and rooted for teams. So it's kind of just ingrained in me to just be like, oh, it's normal. But for someone, if, if it was someone who hasn't had that, yeah, looking outside in on that, some people, the way some people react to sports, and I, I'm I'm one of them a lot of the times too. The way some people react to sports is kind of cringy, and 
obsessive and weird. And I, it's very interesting that uh, at least U.S. society has normalized it for sports, but um, most other things is considered just you're a social outcast. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. And I've said the podcast before, like, I'm a little hype beast. I think it's just generally fun to be excited about things. And I will never begrudge anybody for being excited. But also, like, uh, take some social cues. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. and then maybe Th- don't shit on other people for being excited about other things that you're not into. You know, but, you know, Chris, Dad? that would make that would make things so much easier. Like the world would just instantly be a better place. We'd have flying cars by now if, if we could do that. Yeah, we can't have that. No. Hey, speaking of being excited for stuff, though, so we we talked about uh, last week. Well, okay, the week before that. Now we we both had a game that was coming out that we were excited for, and the week after that, I got disappointed, and you had a great experience with Psychonauts too. Um. Yes. I have since played through what I think is more than half of Psychonauts two. What part are you up to? Um, I am in. I forget the character's name, but I am with Cruller, and we went to old Psychonauts HQ and found the old guy there, and I just got into his mind, and that's where I've stopped. Beard Boy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got... You're, you are over three-fourths of the way through the game. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of the sense I got, because I, I did... I, I looked up how many levels there were in the game to gauge progress. To try to like not be as spoiler as possible, but just know where I'm at. So I, I thought that's about where I was. You have one more care, one more person's brain, and then it's the end. Oh, okay. The end sequence, however <clears throat> you want to describe it, because it's 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 a lot of shit. But it's like essentially, I I call it the. I guess it would technically be two, but you have one more, and then it's like you're in the ending part of the game, the true ending phase. Um, but it, it's it's good. It's, it's, it's some good stuff. Yeah. But so, I kind of like started speeding through it. Cause I was like, I just want to get done. Yeah. But I'm not sure if I'm going to go like good. full completionist on it yet. Um, but it does make it pretty accessible to do so, which I always like in a game. I've actually, that's what I was doing today. That's what was funny when, before we started recording, you asked if I had beaten it yet. And I was like, yeah, I've just been going back and trying to like, I'm, I'm going to try and a hundred percent it. Um, and there's one fucking level where I'm missing one of the goddamn little like outline things, and yeah. I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna find it. I don't because I miss. I'm just missing one. It's like, oh fuck. <clears throat> and so I just wanted to like take an opportunity to echo some of the stuff you were saying, um, because like honestly, I I actually have very high praise for Psychonauts two, which is a great change after being disappointed by 12 minutes um and you said the psychonauts 2 had exceeded your expectations which i think is um good that you played psychonauts 1 so recently Mm -hmm. so you could make a more direct comparison and see how far it's come i on the other hand i did not play psychonauts 1 when it came out but it was like at least five years after and i still really liked that game but i wasn't super stoked for the sequel like you were um in fact, I didn't even know when I was really going to get to it, but I started playing it sooner than later based on your recommendation. And I think it might be the best video game I've played since Outer Wilds. And you know how much I love Outer Wilds. Yeah. No, it's it's awesome. I, I'm, I'm glad that you... I, I, when, 
after I got done with it, I'm like, you're, I had a feeling you would really like it, but I'm very like, oh, on that with you because I just don't know. Like, I feel like <laughs> I know your taste decently enough, but I never know if you're going to like love a game or just be like, oh, yeah, no, that was good. Sure. I do want to push back on something that you said last week about it, though. Um, okay. and, and it might have just been like a syntax issue with how you formed the thought. But you had said that um, the platforming in the game was you described it as classic video game where the platforming itself served the story rather than the gameplay. I, yeah, I meant it more of like, it's not the main focus. The story is the main focus, and it's just something to do to get you through the story. Sure, and I just want to kind of clarify for anyone listening that might be thinking about picking up Psychonauts. I don't agree with that take. <clears throat> okay. Um, although I, I do see where you're coming from, and I don't think it's wrong, but I think the way you're phrasing it sets it up to sound more like a walking simulator than it actually is. Whereas, yeah, like, the fair. platforming does actually have some difficulty and some puzzle elements to it that makes it feel like a true classic platformer um, in the vein of something like Banjo-Kazooie or especially the original Psychonauts. I love that so far separated from the original, it can still feel like a true sequel. So if you liked the first game, you're getting just more of the exact same thing with this game. I love when they're able to pull that off. Yeah. Um, but the story, like you said, is very rich. It's very good. The characters are all fantastic. Um, even characters that I had kind of forgotten about from the original Psychonauts, like Ford Crawler, um, and obviously Raz, uh, and all the, uh, the Psychonauts, like Agent 9, they're all so fucking cool, and I love <laughs> yeah. every character design in the game. Yes. It's like Even watching the, an old Nickelodeon cartoon. Yeah. It's almost like Hey Arnold meets like cat dog kind of shit of just abstract looking characters. And it's amazing. And the, the level design inside of all the different characters' minds is phenomenal. Amazing. I love it so much. Um, I was telling you my personal favorite level that I don't think they're going to be able to top was the Psy King Sensorium that it's the best i i couldn't tell for a while that that was jack black see until you told me that i didn't know that was him well because i knew when i got inside the level i knew okay this is the level they showed off when they had the song that jack black performed so i knew that was coming but i had no idea that that was jack black voicing the character and like wow he's a really good actor i love jack black yeah he's that that song also just slaps. And, like, to, to get into a little bit of spoiler for that part of the game, which is fairly early in the game, um, I, I, I urge you to skip ahead, like, 30 seconds if you don't want the spoiler, but the reveal of who that character was and, like, going through the memories after you finish that level, I was actually mind-blown. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. I was starting to see the hint of, like, oh, yeah, Raz commented this character sounds like Ford. And I thought, okay, well, maybe that's just the game being weird because Raz is so attached to Ford. But then, like, another character, I was like, oh, well, that's, like, he's wearing the same outfit as this other Psychonaut. And I was like, wait, is this? And then they pulled it off, and I was like, bro! And then yeah. the song, oh, my God. It was a great sequence. I, I would agree. I think it is the best singular level mostly because it um it's what the one level that kind of took um 
homage to one of the levels I felt like from the first game that was the one where it was the uh not really homage but there was some influence uh to where it was like the the board game where you were the Napoleon board game cuz like you get out and you have to move around different parts of the map oh yeah to yeah, yeah. get the different sequences which is one one thing that I do kind of miss uh from the first one but the first one would have levels that were just very unique play styles like the board game one the one where you're the giant um and then this one kind of doesn't do anything like that per se but it's okay because the levels themselves are just way more artsy and just it's still just as fun to go through but but yeah i think that the psyching mission or all those all those worlds involved with that or stages involved with that is by far the best um, have you done the the food competition one yet? Yes. Yeah, that was also that's a my very second fun one. favorite one. I just loved the idea of that one. That was very clever. Yeah, it's uh, it's I I don't play a lot of platformers anymore. Uh, just because like that as a pure genre has kind of died off. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is refreshing to not only be able to dive into something that is unapologetically a platformer primarily, but then also do it in such a way where the nature of the game demands that they reinvent the idea of their own game is very Even if they don't dive so heavily into it for this game, but like you said, like... A level like Psy King Sensorium is so vastly different visually than anything else. And then the cooking competition is vastly different gameplay-wise than anything else. The fact that they were able to pull that all together into a cohesive game that doesn't feel like a jarring change and still tell an incredibly compelling story on top of it, I can't recommend this game enough, and I haven't even finished it yet. Oh, I can't wait for you to get to the, uh, uh, it's a small world level. Oh my god. (laughs) <laughs> there's a there's a really cool thing that can happen in that one uh i won't go into any any further but you'll you i guarantee you'll figure out what it is and it's kind of like a oh i feel you raz i feel you because he has a reaction to something you can do and you're like yep i'm right there with you bud oh man <laughs> yeah i'm hoping that i'll be able to finish it soon um it's been a busy week and i haven't been able to play the game in almost a week and well, uh one thing I, with with going through and revisiting it um that i've after i you be, like just you're done you know roll roll credits there's still like you know post game of you can go back and finish everything you hadn't but even outside of that there's some interesting unique dialogue options you can that that are presented to you if you go and talk to people after you beat the game which i thought was very cool um and even maybe <laughs> A, a plot twist with Dr. Lobato that I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, I won't go into anything further. Well, I, it wouldn't really be a spoiler because it's just it's a post-game like, little scene that has nothing to do with the main story. But I was just like, wait, what? And he, another thing where I had the exact same reaction as Raz did. And I was like, okay, <laughs> shit. And actually, um, uh, that, yeah. that reminds me. Um, I did want to ask you... <clears throat> uh, were you like the, the so the game opens um it is a direct continuation of the VR exclusive title 
in the Rhombus of Ruin, which is a direct continuation of Psychonauts 1. Were you aware of the Rhombus of Ruin, and were you confused at all about the way the game picked up? Um, I was not aware, but I wasn't that confused because they kind of just did a good enough job with that opening cutscene, giving me the gist of what happened. But that does remind me of one of the funny jokes that they kind of hit throw at you at the beginning. And he's just like, yeah, yesterday. Oh, wait, yeah, I, I, I did all that yesterday. Like, the first <laughs> game happened, like, the whole, both games happened over, like, 48 hours. It's crazy. Yeah. Because I, I actually didn't realize that the Rhombus of Ruin was going to be canon or that it was uh that close to the original game otherwise i i might have made more of an effort to actually play it because i i did not play the rhombus of ruin but i think it's very cool that that game was still important to the storyline and setting up psychonauts 2 but also like you said you don't have to play it if you don't have a vr headset because they do a pretty decent job of explaining it but i thought it might be weird for you playing the first game and then they describe all the events of the first game and then describe some important events that you had no idea about yeah. So I was just curious what your take on that was. I, I thought it was, it they did it well enough that I was not like... It, it's been so long of a time that I feel like anyone... If you've played the first one or if you haven't played the first one, they sum everything up well enough for you like, okay, yeah, I get it. Got it. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So it was not anything incredibly jarring to me. But yeah, very good game. I'm excited to pick it up again. Um, Sonic Colors comes out on PC tomorrow, and Deathloop comes out in a week. And at some point, oh, like fuck. I mentioned last episode, my sister wants me to play Boyfriend Dungeon. So I'm hoping that I can still find time to clean up Psychonauts in the next couple of days. And then remains to be seen on whether or not I'll go completionist on it. At the rate you're at, you're, you probably have like two, maybe three hours. Okay. So... I do it's need to uh, get some much. piano practice in today, but that's certainly doable to finish tonight if I wanted to then. Yeah, yeah. You don't have... Uh, you have to finish up the boat. Yeah. No, I, I've, actually, I've barely started that. You might as well consider me not even in there. Okay, well, see, I, I had saved there, and then I just beat the game and from there. Okay. And that was like three or four hours. Okay, yeah. Maybe, at, mo- at most. Um, but again, I started like not speed running stuff, but it was like, okay, I'm not exploring every bit because I kind of want to just beat the game. It happens to me in any game where it's like, I'm in the last act and it's like, okay, I just want to know how it ends and then I can come back and explore further, but I just want to know how it ends. Yeah. That was a, I, I was playing death's door right before I picked up Psychonauts 2. And that was something that I I kind of, I I had a realization about the way I play video games where I finished Death's Door and like in the middle of me getting to the final boss, I started going back and getting collectibles and such. But then I had to, I had to think to myself, does this game matter enough to me? And do I like this game enough that I really consider it worth my time to go back and get everything in this game? Because that's just kind of my default operation, is if the game has content, I want to play it. And that normally means getting as many collectibles as I can. But as my time to game becomes less and less, I feel like I need to be more discerning about when, like you, yeah. I stop trying to do everything and just get the main content out of the game. 
and then just go for completionist on stuff that I really vibe with. I feel that. I I, I almost... I can't remember the last thing I did a completionist run on. Um, It was honestly probably a Mass Effect game. <laughs> so, been a minute. Because that was also um, part of a problem with Destiny. It's just like the nature of yeah. me playing Destiny meant that I wanted to do everything. Which luckily, around the time that I kind of dropped the game, they started adding even harder endgame stuff that I'm not sure if I would have actually been able to do or would have had the motivation to do. So, uh, good that I got out when I did, I guess. Yeah. Which I was going to say, did you have you seen the the new trailer for Witch Queen? I have not. I have seen some stills from it. I think I saw most of the trailer, and I'm not going to lie, it looks pretty dope. Am I going to get back into Destiny? Probably not. <laughs> But it's not till next year, so who knows? I might. Yeah. There's a, there's a possibility. Yeah, they're doing an extra season right now before they drop the, the big content. Well, I remember they, they announced that, what, right? When we were still playing, it was like at the end of when I was still playing, they announced, oh, Witch Queen is going to get pushed. They like So almost a year out, they were like, yeah, it's going to be later than when we normally put out the next big expansion. Mm-hmm. And then the last time they did a, a big event, they essentially announced every big expansion until the end of, like, like effectively what Destiny's end game is going to be. Yeah. And then who knows what the game will look like after that, because they're not stopping. That's for sure. <clears throat> well, you know who is stopping? Streaming on Twitch. Uh, look at that segue. Jesus that was Christ. hot. Uh, Tim the Tatman and Dr. Lupo this past, well, I think Dr. Lupo might have been last week, but this week for sure, Tim the Tatman have both announced that they are no longer streaming on Twitch and have moved over to YouTube, which I think is very interesting. Because uh, I, know, I know Tim's first stream on, I follow Tim the Tatman much more than I do Dr. Lupo, so I'll speak more to him. Um. I know, like, his first day was crazy. I get 100,000 concurrent viewers, like, within the first hour before he even started playing Warzone, which is, which is huge. But also, that's kind of the norm whenever someone does a big switch like that. I'm pretty sure Dr. Disrespect had crazy numbers like that when he switched, kind of going off what we talked last week once he got banned from Twitch. Um, I'm, I, I don't think anything's come out about how much money if depending on if that's even a thing for a contract that YouTube might have thrown either of theirs way I assume it would have to be substantial but it's very interesting to me that uh, especially Tim switched because Tim had basically been on Twitch since Twitch started like he'd been on Twitch since I think like 2009 2010 and that's wild to me that he that he up and swapped platforms. Yeah, I was gonna ask, um, because you know, like every time we bring up streaming stuff, like uh, I gotta bring up, you're way more of a streamer guy than I am, and you're not even the most hardcore of streamer people. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. <clears throat> that Tim signed a deal. I did not know that Doctor Lupo was also switching. Um, Lupo switched before Tim, like a little, a few days before Tim did. I guess it it does just speak to uh how Twitch is still kind of going downhill, huh? It's weird. I, 
but with that said, because um, I you know I have my couple streamers that I watch. Well, it's usually one at a time, certain time that I'll basically watch religiously, but then try to keep up with who they interact with. So I watch a lot of Hassan Piker, um, and he was talking about that a little bit on his stream, but not as much because he doesn't talk about that. But his his he he had a a reason for why he would not switch to YouTube that I won't go into because it is partly a political reason, and I understand. What uh, hearing his explanation, I'm like okay, that makes sense for you. I get that. Um, but the thing that I don't is interesting to me is that Twitch still has the best like inter interface interaction method. Uh, uh, what you what you call moderation? Granted, they are a little trigger happy at times, but still way better moderation than what YouTube has. Um. So it's interesting to me, taking all that into account, is it's just interesting that you're, we're, we're seeing some bigger name streamers move over to YouTube. And I guess the, the main thing is, is I'm surprised it's taken this long for some of the biggest streamers to start moving over to YouTube. Yeah, and with them cutting deals with people like Lupo and Tip the Tapman, like that, that clearly says that YouTube is at least trying to be serious about being a competitor with Twitch. And and my biggest problem with YouTube being a home for streaming, like you said, is the interface. Because if I'm not already subscribed to somebody, I have no fucking idea how to find a live stream on YouTube. Whereas You have to Twitch go to like is... a- the actual YouTube gaming webpage. I think. Yeah, I hate that. But nobody knows that. Because whereas Twitch is just Twitch. And like it's built as a streamer platform and it makes sense on how you find a streamer there youtube for me as a casual streaming consumer which is going to be the majority of people always um they need a better interface and a better way to like explain this is the streamer space and and it it, it sucks that this kind of thing started happening after mixer went under because while it's an exercise of choose your favorite monopoly, I would rather Microsoft be in the hands of a competitor than Google, I guess. And yeah. also just the fact that Mixer would have been a direct stream-only competitor to Twitch rather than oh, and everybody's, YouTube adapting to it. Yeah, and, and everybody said that Mixer had some of the best features of any of the streaming services or sites. So that's one thing that sucks about them going down is that I mean, YouTube and Twitch aren't going to give a fuck to add some of their innovations in because, like, why? They're gone. <laughs> yeah, and and YouTube certainly doesn't even need streaming to stay afloat, so how can we trust that they're, uh, they're going to put in the time to make the streaming good rather than just an exercise oh, yeah. in expanding their portfolio because they're YouTube and nothing's ever going to happen that's going to put YouTube under. Because even if streaming doesn't take off, like, YouTube has been and will always be the home for internet videos, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it'll, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see if we get any other, I mean, if XQC jumps off Twitch, yikes, yikes, because he's like the biggest streamer in the world right now. So that would not be great, but, um, 
it's funny how a lot of those, those IRL streamers aren't going to jump. The people who stream IRL a lot, or, or not IRL, but, uh, you know, the just chatting a lot. I know XQC does a lot of gaming, though I'm not trying to put him in that, but he also does a lot of just, ch- just chatting. Th- those kind of streamers I don't see jumping to YouTube because... The, the of what we said with the, the the interface and how you interact with your audience is just a lot better on Twitch from what I've seen and what I understand. I could be wrong a little bit on that, but um yeah, it'll I, I am I await to see if anyone else is gonna jump ship because it's mostly been some of the old gaming, predominantly gaming streamers that have moved over. It'll be interesting to see if if Ninja moves over, hmm. but uh. Yeah, that I I wanted to touch base on that because I think that's some interesting news, and yeah, we'll see if anyone else continues this trend of moving to a different spot. Because I I think somebody somewhat big moved to Facebook Gaming not that long ago, which was <laughs> weird. Because I mean, you're just like okay, no one's watching that one, like whatever. But yeah. It, we we shall see how the well landscape continues to develop. Yeah. Um. So before we get into our main thing, I think you had something else you wanted to bring up. Did I? I thought you did. I thought you said before we it was, started. It. Oh yeah, it was fantasy football. Oh. Oh okay. And then you just kind of jumped into it uh, for me, and I was like, oh fuck yeah, let's do this. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, you you said you had something. I asked, what is it? And you you didn't want to tell me. Oh. Oh, well, we're a little late, so I'm going to hold off on that one. Oh, okay. Well, because I want to make sure we have, if if we go through this, ne- our our main topic fast, I'll bring it up at the end again. Okay. It's not as spicy as last week's, don't oh worry. Oh my God. Okay, well, well, the other thing, uh, we had the planet align and had the rare opportunity where we both engaged with a piece of content and are now able to talk about it on the podcast. Uh, and that is uh, what what honestly what I consider the 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 official real return to cinemas for Marvel, and that's Shang Chi came out last week, and we both witnessed this past it. weekend. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, like four days ago, Friday, whatever. You know. So we will be talking spoilers, and so you know that now, and I'm not holding back on some stuff. So yeah. Um. Um, I want to say up front, uh, I know some people don't like assigning numbers out of 10, and I get that, but I do. Um, so I, I'll, I'll just say up front, um, I think on the whole, I'm, I'm on a 7 out of 10. I'm like a 7.5. Okay. So we're, we're in pretty good agreement. It was a very fun, good movie. That's, that's about it. Yeah. It was, it was fucking sick. When I was can into I, it, can I, give I was you my, into it. Can I give you my, uh first hot take of the movie sure talo fuck wakanda talo is so fucking awesome (laughs) you can you can take your vibranium wakandan bullshit and fuck off give me the chinese talo any day but all we saw was one tiny fishing village and a dragon scale gate so so much cooler (laughs) i was like yo these people would fuck up the wakandans i don't know about that they have they are fucking airbenders, dude. <laughs> I wonder like, what what I wonder how dragon fucking Pukul Khan up. lives in their goddamn village. Like what? <laughs> I wonder how dragon scale would hold up to vibranium. 
um, it can kill fucking demon shit that of that guy's vibranium arm couldn't kill. Yeah, but that's that's magic. That doesn't have anything to do with just like raw strength. I was I was talking to my at my family gathering. I was talking to my sister and her boyfriend because they watch. They've also seen it, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, if you were approaching this next phase of Marvel, like um, like a new season of a battle royale or in game development, it was basically kind of like the uh Marvel Marvel took all the fan feedback and were like, you know." We, we we hear what you're all saying. Uh, Magic really needed a buff, and <laughs> and we we just we doubled we doubled the magic power. And Magic is fucking bananas now. And fuck physical. Like if it's a magical attackers, magical attackers are like S plus tier now. And and physical attackers have been bumped down to just like A. Like it's for if you don't understand that analogy, I'm sorry, but like <laughs> yeah, I love that your your first thought at a family gathering. To talk about Marvel movies was to compare it, first it was to compare it to battle royale balancing, or just game balancing. I it's just like because I feel after this one, it's just Magic's so busted now, and I love it. Yeah, I mean that's certainly the uh, the route they're taking, where they they have explored terrestrial enough, uh, and we're going to get into more cosmic, but Magic is still very new. And for the moment, they are going hard on it, especially with, uh, you know, WandaVision and the next Doctor Strange movie coming out. Um, but Shang-Chi, yeah, very strong with it. So as far as the movie, uh, what didn't work for you? Um, the flashback about what happened to his mom. That was awful. I will say right now that was done so badly because it was just like, hey, we're just going to flash back to this. And it makes no sense of that that she died. And I was like, what the fuck? What do you mean it didn't make sense? Because, well, I was just like, okay, well, one, how did all those fucking people find them? Two, how did they find them when the dad's not there? And where's the other... T- oh, I guess the Ten Rings have basically been disbanded because he was living a normal life. But it just felt so out of touch with the rest of the movie it was just like, oh, I guess we do need to explain how his mom died. And then they saw it, and it was like, okay. Uh, I, I don't know. I just didn't, I did not like it very much. I thought it was the weakest part of the, the story of the movie. I have a similar complaint, but for a different part of the movie. Um, the mom flashback didn't bother me that much. I didn't think it was that jarring. But uh, there, there, were, there were two things that like ripped me out of the vibe of the movie and they both happened in Talo. Uh, okay. One of them was, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about the big picture here and uh, Sean fantasy in their episode for Shang-Chi. He, well, and even whenever he's talking about Marvel, he always points out that a Marvel property has to end with a big CGI fight, right? That doesn't yeah. bother me that much. Uh, I, I've just kind of accepted it as a fact of Marvel and I'm here for the ride. And the CGI fight in this movie was fucking awesome and was at least still in line with the flair of the movie, so I didn't mind it. Um, that being said, when they show up in Talo and, uh, and they, they become cordial with the people there, um, there, there's, like, there's a snap back to reality moment where 
everything's whimsical and you're seeing all these animals and the the vast lake on the other side of the fishing village and then they do a hard cut into a building where they have the mural telling the story of their people and like immediately it's like they go from mystical chinese stuff to very generic marvel origin movie stuff where for some reason in this first movie for an otherwise no-name character we are once again suddenly dealing with potentially world-ending threats and the way they explain this potentially world-ending threat felt just so not in line with everything else the movie was doing did you feel that at all yeah i i would kind of agree it was it was kind of jarring and didn't necessarily feel great uh, but kind of to what you said about what I thought with the mom flashback, it didn't. I didn't think about that part too much, mostly because I was too busy uh, thinking about the greatest character in the whole fucking movie, the uh, the English guy. He was awesome. <laughs> yes. Was that a recurring character? Has he been in another movie? Yeah. No, he was uh, Iron Man three. Did you see that one? No. See, I haven't seen. Okay. It. okay. That's yeah. why I had no idea who that guy was. Cause when, they were, when they met him at the dad's compound and he talked about being a front for an American terrorist organization, that was his role in Iron Man 3. Oh, my God. Okay, because I was trying to think, okay, what movie was he in that I clearly haven't seen? Because um, th- that was all. He was amazing. Him and that, him and the whatever they called the little animal thing was incredible. Yeah. Um, so to give you a quick rundown, yeah, they they talked about it while they were having dinner with the dad, and then when they met him, that 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 was all in reference to stuff that happened in Iron Man three. Because since this was still pretty early in the MCU, and they didn't have a whole lot of plans for the future, they pulled a villain from the comic books called the Mandarin, uh, and they used him for Iron Man three. But then it turned out that the Mandarin wasn't real. And it was a cover-up for a different character who turned out to be evil in the movie. Uh, and that that English character was the face of the Mandarin. When Tony found him, he admitted, I'm not actually the Mandarin, I'm just an actor. I was hired for a job, please don't kill me. But then he still went to jail because he was part of a terrorist organization. Okay, and so the actual Mandarin would have been Shang-Chi's dad? Yes. Okay, okay, that makes sense. That that. Because, yeah, that part I was like, I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about, but I kind of understand that this is from a movie I haven't seen, so I'm just going to let it go. Yeah, so it's kind of a retcon that they fixed the Mandarin and the Ten Rings. Uh, that they which, just kind of wrote around that character to do it in a legitimate way. Which I I do kind of wish they weren't going to make us wait till literally the next Shang-Chi movie to probably give us more of an origin story to the Ten Rings, because we don't know anything about them. Yeah, as, until, as the post credit scene showed. Until the post credit scene, I, I thought they were just never going to tell us. They were just going to say, yeah, we don't know how we got them, and that was it. That was going to be the end of the story. Well, and then in the post credit scene, they're like, yeah, we don't know how we got them. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch the second post credit scene? Yes. I did not because I looked it up and I, I looked it up one to see because a lot of people were staying. So it made me go, oh, is there a second one? Uh, and then I looked up what it was and went, okay, I didn't need to stay another 10 minutes of credits to see that. But interesting as well that that's 
going to be a new another player in a future movie clearly yeah i'm glad that his sister isn't going to just be a throwaway female character like we've seen so much and how i kind of assume aquafina is still going to be but she's going to basically be like um she's going to team up with what's her face from falcon and winter soldier bet <laughs> bet cuz they both have like the similar organizations either team up or butt heads and that'll be a that'll be a a point in a later oh you mean the Marvel. sister yeah, the sister's going to butt Aquafina. No, 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 no. The sister's organization is going to butt up with the chick who's basically now in control of whatever uh, what Hydra? Yeah. <laughs> or no, not Hydra, but like her own underground thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I could I it's been not that long, but so long that I don't remember exactly what organization. Uh, that she took up was it the Shadow Broker? See, that came to mind, but I can't tell if that's a Marvel thing or a Mass Effect thing. Well, it's both. I think it was the power broker. That's what it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. She she became the power broker, or she was or always she was the, the power broker. Yeah. They're gonna, there's going to be a, and it might not be like a major plot point in anything, but they'll, be, they'll throw something in in like the next Shang-Chi movie where, or even not that, but like another Captain America-y movie where those two organizations are going to be butting heads for like a minute. Well, we'll see someone who looks like a, a Ten Rings member fighting a member of the the Power Broker. I I I I'm calling that shot right now. Yeah, no, I I think that checks out. Um, especially since I I forget the name of the city that the Power Broker was in in Falcon and Winter Soldier, but it had a very similar vibe to the area that uh the underground Fight Club in Shang Chi was in. Yeah. So yeah, I I can see that meshing. Um, especially like since we don't have a threat like Hydra necessarily anymore, um, they need to plant the seeds of all these other big, dangerous organizations. So yeah, I, I, think, I think that's a good possibility. Um, <clears throat> I do want to talk about Aquafina for a minute as well. Uh, okay. While I, I love Aquafina, I adore Aquafina as an actress, and I think generally in this movie she was very good, uh, especially for her part of being comedic relief. She was great. Unfortunately, she is also the subject of the second thing that did not fucking work for me at all in the movie. A uh, relationship. Well, okay, you know what? We're gonna we're we're gonna make it three things. Cause that was weird. <laughs> yeah. Um. But no. So they they had this overarching, uh, moral to the movie, right? That was about essentially finding your purpose, right? Yeah. Which uh. On the whole, I felt was pretty clunky, but especially whenever Aquafina's character was involved. Uh, like, Shang-Chi's story was a little more nuanced, where he was having to uh, not only find his lot in life, essentially, but his was more like accepting who he is and dealing with the fact that even if he hates his father, he is the product of his lineage in both sides. So whenever Shang-Chi's on screen dealing with that, it's great. It's a good story, and it works with the larger narrative. But then Aquafina comes on screen, and, like, especially when she was carrying the arrows to the archery line in Talo, and she just kind of goes into an almost very meta take on, like, yeah, I just kind of don't know what I'm going to do with my life. It's so cool that you guys know exactly what you're going to do, and then you go out and do it. 
and it's supposed to be funny, but it wasn't. And it's, yeah. it's, it, it, it took me so far out of the movie that they would ham fist that moral, like to the point that they, they had dropped that since the beginning of the movie and then just brought it back in so Aquafina could kill some demons. It, it was weird. Well, yeah, and then the, the fact that, like, she saves the day. <laughs> well, okay, like, I mean, at, least, at least with that, it was a big fucking not moving target. Yeah. But I agree. Yeah. But, yeah, I do like, uh, it, I, I would agree. It was, that part was kind of weird. It, I don't think it hit. I'd agree. It didn't hit very well. Um, my, the audience at, at my theater loved it, though, so fuck us. Um, which was another thing, a side note. Um, it was nice to see a movie like this with a relatively full theater and just get to witness p- other people reacting to funny parts in a movie. I missed yeah. it. Especially um, Ben Kingsley character. Uh, he got... Was that Kingsley? Oh, my I, God. Yeah, I think it was Ben Kingsley um, as the, the not Mandarin. Um, every line he had was amazing. He got the biggest laughs, and he was fantastic. When they were doing the fake death scene, I knew he was faking it the yeah. minute that they showed it. <laughs> but, and I think everyone did, but we were all like, okay, that was great. We knew that was coming, <laughs> but it was still great. <laughs> it, it's moments like that that I can't wait to go see Jackass Forever in theaters. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was nice, um, you know, especially kind of not really coming off of a movie like Endgame. That was very much a community experience to to yeah, yeah to have that moment where as a collective you get to laugh it it is a different energy than just laughing at a joke by yourself yeah yeah well I'm trying to think of any other like gripes or overarch well the <laughs> the the bit at the very I wasn't really crazy about the very end. Where, like, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, this is the crazy shit that happened to us. And they're telling it, like, it's actually a story, but it actually happened to them. But they're telling it like they know no one's going to believe them. And <laughs> I was just kind of like, okay, this is, this is, I mean, I guess. I guess this is how you're going to end it. Yeah, I mean, it, it made for a funny scene for Wong showing up and taking them away. It was very funny, but yeah, the writing itself could use some tightening up at that point. And and I guess also too with that because I never at any point was sold on Shang Chi and Aquafina's what character Kate and uh, Shang Chi and Katie's relationship. I I yeah, just was no, never I, sold on it. I was totally fine. Ten minutes into the movie, they say we're just friends. Grandma wants them to get married. Well, that's that's just Chinese grandma stuff. That's what they do. I, I was I Asian was totally fine with them just being friends. I felt the friendship there. Not every movie needs a romance, especially when you don't fucking build one. Because yeah. it wasn't I, I there. Mean, it was non-existent until they walk through the portal and they and they lock their elbows together. That was literally fucking it. Now, granted, like when you could have almost died and make it through that. Could could things change a bit? Yeah, not to, but like I don't know. It just it felt forced. I mean, even if it does change a bit, it doesn't make for a satisfying narrative. Yeah, like you yeah, can make I, all kinds of assumptions about what people go through off camera, but that doesn't make it narratively satisfying. Yeah, I would agree. 
That being said, uh, those parts of the movie, like the first 40 minutes or so of the movie, I have no complaints about whatsoever. Oh, yeah. I, I, about at the end of it, though, I was like, okay, we're getting a little slow and in the weeds here. But it picks up, and it, it, it was fine. Because along with the moral of finding yourself and finding your purpose, it, this, um, this felt like, like a Gen Zers Marvel movie, you know? Yeah. Like, the style it had, the kind of moral it was going for, um, it, it, all, it all felt very in line with the younger generation, and I thought that was interesting that this was the movie they decided to go for that with. Because, um, like, kind of similar to Black Panther, this movie had such an incredibly distinct style that it, that it rode into. Before it mm-hmm. gets kind of generic Marvel, uh, it was very like, oh, okay, this is the movie. This doesn't feel like any other Marvel movie to me. Well, like the first 10 minutes were in Chinese or Mandarin. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I was kind of like, oh, oh, there's some people who are not going to like this, but I'm <laughs> fucking with it hardcore. Uh, and then, like, just the, the fun bits to flesh out the universe. I, I love how many characters showed up in this movie and how tied into the narrative going forward it was. Uh, especially, like, seeing a character like Wong, like, he seems to be taking a proactive role in the universe going forward. He's gathering mm-hmm. people. He is, like, part of whatever this new version of the Avengers is going to be. Because it wasn't Doctor Strange talking with Shang-Chi and Bruce Banner and Captain Marvel. It was Wong, and he, he pulled them from the bar in between his cage match fights with Abomination. Was that supposed to be Abomination? Yes. Why did he look like a fish? Uh, because that's his actual design, and they fixed it. Oh. Okay. I like how they were basically fixing the fights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they're actually cool with each other, and he's just breaking him out of, like, wherever they keep Abomination. Yeah. Super fun. I, I love... I love seeing more of Wong. He is always a, a fun addition to any Marvel property, and I hope to see more of him. I, I'm kind of assuming that he was there instead of Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange is dealing with uh, Spider-Man stuff. Uh, but these movies tend to happen in sequential order, so I could be wrong, too. Well, and... And... Oh, no. did The, the thought just went poof. Shit! Um, something to do with Wong. But, um... Nope, can't think of it, so continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, it's just nice to see these things coming together, especially now that we're doing TV shows and we're up to four Marvel movies a year. Uh, it can start to feel like the main plot moves along kind of slowly. Uh, but, you know, with the hiatus we had from movies, um, with how many times Black Panther, not Black Panther, I'm sorry, <laughs> Black Widow got pushed back, um, it it starts to feel like a more cohesive world again and 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 really feels like we are coming out of Endgame finally uh, because this is the first movie of Phase 4 that is actually moving the narrative forward. Yeah. For and, sure. Uh, that, just, that, gets me, back. that gets me to a thing I wanted to talk to you. Do, you. do we know who... I'm jumping ship to the Eternals trailer because it played before. Who the big old big old man is in that Eternals trailer? Who's got the six eyes? Um, in universe, we don't know him yet, but he is a character. If that's what you mean, yeah. Well, like, 
Is it? It's not Galactus, is it? No. Okay. Um. No, he he is just another celestial. Oh. Okay. 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 Because I was thinking that they might be trying to that that could be where the movie where we get who and introduced to who the next big bad could be. But I don't know. Oh I mean, yeah, it could be. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure exactly still what kind of narrative Eternals is trying to tell because it does seem partly historical text and partly modern Marvel text. Um, but I don't know what that split is going to be and how much forward they're actually going to move it. Um, but it, but it is dealing with powers even bigger than we've seen so far in Marvel. So it could still tease the next villain, but no, the the big red eyed guy was not Galactus. Okay. I didn't think it was, but I was like, is it? What? I just love that Rob Stark is essentially fucking Superman. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, that, that's something people are pointing to about the Eternals is that since some of them are pretty generic um, and, and because of how some parts of the trailer are shot, most people are assuming that at least half that team is going to be dead by the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, well... I already like that, uh, you know, Angelina Jolie is basically going to be why uh, Athena is a goddess in ancient Greece because she is just like wields a sword and she- or a spear and shield, just like all the depictions of Athena. So, um, yeah, we're going to figure out where uh, ancient mythology came from. Spoiler, it's the Eternals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that we're getting Eternals before Spider-Man. I don't oh my know, God, that, we that are? doesn't feel real to me. That does, yeah, you saying that doesn't feel real. Because it comes shit. out in November, and then assuming Spider-Man doesn't get pushed again, it comes out in December. Oh, fuck. We're just rolling, man. And, you know, I, I think I've said on here that, you know, I have not traditionally seen all of the Marvel movies. I mean, I haven't seen Black Widow, mostly because I'm just going to wait. You haven't seen Black Widow? No, I haven't. I'm going to wait till it's on uh, Disney+, Plus, which is like a month away. Um, I, I just wasn't one that was like, I have to see this. That's fine. So, and I, I think I'm still going to stick with that, but a lot of the movies, other movies coming out, I are all ones that I am excited to see. Yeah. So I, I actually can't believe how excited I am to see Eternals. I, I that trailer does something did, did a lot for me. I, first time I saw like the reveal trailer, I was like, eh, you know, maybe. And then. It's like the second time I've seen the the trailer that plays in front of Shang Chi. It's the second time I've seen that one. I saw it when it originally was released, and then before that, and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for this one. Yeah, Chloe Zhao, bro, she knows what she's doing. I guess. I just like that they're doing just kind of different movies. Like this was a martial arts movie with Shang Chi, and I don't know what the fuck Eternals is gonna be, but it does not look. It looks like a DC movie with the color palette. But uh, they're doing just different stuff, and I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I had figured something out, in fact, in listening to the big picture. Uh, I, I had said when I, I think when we had talked about uh, a Marvel show previously, or, or we were talking about being excited for Shang-Chi, and it was like it had felt like it had been so long since we had uh, a fresh hero standalone movie but then i i thought well not really because we had this this and this in phase three um but i think the difference is um as somebody on the big picture pointed out uh shang chi initially felt 
like it, it, it was more separated from everything Marvel was doing than those yep. other hero standalone movies. Whereas like those movies still had other characters or the character had already been introduced in a previous movie. But Shang-Chi for the most part was entirely fresh, entirely new and completely separate. And the Eternals is even more so. Cause like you said, even stylistically, it feels like a DC movie. It feels like a different universe, but it, it looks so good. I can't wait to see how they actually tie it in. Yeah, and to go off that, because, like, Captain Marvel is the last, like, new new character I remember going and seeing. And I'm like, oh, this is just a generic Marvel movie. Okay. You introduce the new character. She beat the bad guy. You introduce something that'll probably come in later. Cool. But this is this fits the mold of all these other movies we've already seen. And Shang-Chi did not do that. It It busted that mold and was very unique. And just as a standalone movie, I thought was very entertaining. Like, if you knew nothing about any other Marvel stuff, it would still be incredibly entertaining. And that's, it's nice that they're able to still put movies out like that. Yeah, and it makes me excited for, uh, especially other TV shows that they're doing, once we get into some actual original properties, because... Right now, we've only had TV shows featuring characters we already know. But once we get into the weeds of stuff like She-Hulk or Moon Knight or once they start doing uh, Miss Marvel, uh, I can't wait for that. I can't wait to see how the small scale develops alongside. Yeah. All I know is that uh, us as a podcast would be pretty fucked if we didn't have Marvel stuff to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Alright, well yeah, I think that's going to be the end of this episode then. Uh, if you like what you heard, tell a friend, and we'll keep talking about Marvel movies. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Obsession underscore pod, and uh, come back next week when uh, I'll probably complain about Sonic Colors. Hell yeah, and I'll talk about music. Oh, What? Yeah. That was got, my secret a, topic. You got, a, you got a music thing? No, well, we've kind of already talked about it on Discord, so you kind of know. But okay. I want to talk about that on the podcast next week. Okay, yeah, we can, we can fit it in. All right, come back next week for Hayden talking about terrible music, music takes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, goodbye.